Radio for a really great future. We're talking real money. Even though I can't read the whole story anymore because I'm not going to pay for Market Watch, I can still make fun of their headlines like this one from today's Market Watch. Feels like a, quote, classic October crash is on the way, market strategist warns. Okay, so some guy at a London-based investment firm says that we can have a classic October crash. Are October crashes classic? Hmm. Now, I do remember there was one in October of 1987 when I was a young stockbroker, and I was very young. Um, But has October been really bad? Well, I looked back at the S&P 500 for the past 30 years, and it's funny There was a little dip that started in January of 94. There was another little dip that started in June of 96. Another little dip that happened in June of 97. And then another little dip in July of 1998. And then another little dip in June of 1999. And then another one that was pretty big in August of 2000. It looks like all in the summer to me, not in the fall. Funny, that one in August 2002, that one lasted until September of 2002. So, really, the fall was when it recovered. December 2004, we had a little decline then. October 2007. Oh, yeah, that was another bad one. Okay, that was October. That one ended in February of 2009. But did we get another October that that, that leads someone to believe that this is a classic time for the market to crash? Well, no. April 2010 was a little dip. May 2011, a little dip. March 2012, May 2015, January 2018, September 2018, December 2019, March 2020. So is it typical for the market to crash in October? No. Is anything typical? Not anything predictably typical, no. What is typical of the stock market? What's the one thing that it's done since the beginning of stock markets. What's the one thing? The the beginning of global stock trading. Anyone? 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 Oh, yeah. Uh, They've gone up more than they've gone down. So why do we sit around and worry about them going down when they don't go down very much and you won't know when and you can't do much about it? You're better off just being in and taking what the market gives you, which over the last 90 years, the S&P 500 has given you, given you about 10% per year for taking that risk. That's being in and out. That's being in there during those, what, two times when it went down in October? Oh, I don't know why people do this stuff, but um, is this an October crash? I don't think so. Did it go down in October? Little. Does it mean anything? Probably not. Well, welcome to Talking Real Money. I'm Don McDonald. I didn't introduce myself at the beginning because I figured you know who I am. But if you don't, I'm Don McDonald, one of the two hosts of Talking Real Money, the radio show and the podcast. Today's a podcast. And on today's podcast, I'm going to answer some of your questions as we often do. You can send them in a variety of ways. You can call us 24 hours a day. 
seven days a week at 855-935-8255. This has a certain ring to it, doesn't it? Or you can send your questions in at TalkingRealMoney.com on the contact form. You can record them or you can, like most people do, I think we just prefer to type them out. So that's what we're going to do today. We're going to do a bunch of typed ones. Some really interesting, some just helpful to the people involved, maybe to you too. So let's start with one about HSA investing, health savings account investing. Hey, Tom and Don, or hi, Tom and Don. Thank you very much for your weekly live show. Currently, I have about $9,000 in an HSA account with Fidelity from my previous employer, and it is not invested. Should I transfer this 9K to my new HSA with my new employer? Mm, maybe if it makes life easier, yes. Just to have them all in one place, because it can get confusing to have multiple accounts. I do not plan to use this money in the near future, so how should I approach investing this 9K from a percentage perspective? Well, one of the things about HSAs, though, is they're there to use to pick up some of those surprise medical costs. So you want to keep a decent chunk of it liquid for surprises. It's emergency money. It's emergency medical money. Now, you can allow money in an HSA to accrue. And if you've got money that you're pretty sure you're not going to use in the next year, two, three, four, five, then you, then you can start getting a little more aggressive with it. How aggressive, though, is a very, very personal matter. And I got to tell you, I wouldn't be real aggressive just, again, to keep it available in case. Uh, but if you're going to let it ride, if you know it's going to be there for a very, very, very long time, you can go with a well-diversified portfolio of equities but make sure that it fits your risk tolerance. Thanks for your note. Let's uh, do this one on mortgages. Oh, and this one comes from Montreal, Quebec. That's Canada. Dear Tom and Don, I'm listening to your podcast for almost three years, and I really enjoy it. Me and my wife are respectively, respectively 32 and 33 and have a mortgage of $235,000 on a $400,000 house. We have no debts and both work for the government. Our present mortgage rate is uh, 2.59 fixed for five years. My question is, while the interest rates are pretty low, is it a good idea to borrow an additional 50K at 2.54 fixed for 10 and to invest it all in the market? I will invest 50% in VT, 25% in VB, and 25% in VWO, and rebalance twice a year. For those of you playing along at home who don't know your symbols, I understand symbols are not easy to remember. A VT is the ETF for the, the Vanguard Total World Stock Index Fund. These are all, by the way, these are all ETFs. And VB is the Vanguard Small Cap ETF. And VWO is the Vanguard emerging markets ETF. Love your diversification. I do. Um, and he goes on to say the purpose of this money is to pay private high school for our young kids in 10 years. Hmm. Hmm, hmm, hmm. We're right on the brink of being a little more conservative. You're going to want to start ratcheting back the aggressiveness soon. 
As for borrowing against the house, <laughs> it's, uh, borrowing increases the risk. Now, I would, if you're going to be in this house for more than a decade, which it sounds like you are, you might want to consider refinancing the whole thing uh, at 2.54 for a decade or 15 years. Because if that's a 2.59 fixed and then it goes adjustable, there's very little chance that rates are going to be much lower in five years. Is it possible? Absolutely. I will never say anything is impossible. But you might want to lock in a low rate for a longer period of time. I am okay with it. Your age should make you okay with it. Make sure it fits your risk tolerance because the the likelihood is, particularly if this, is, this, this becomes an investment for retirement, the likelihood is, is you will make far more than you're going to pay on your mortgage. But it does add risk. You just need to know that. It's a trade-off. Um, the money for high school, though, for the kids' high school, oh, I'd be I'd be very, very, very tempted to start making it a little conser little more conservative over the next decade because if the market turns south and we have like a five-year down market at some point, like in five years, a portfolio that aggressive could be down 15, 20, 25% possibly over a five-year period. It hasn't happened very often, but it could. So make it more conservative a little later on. But for now, if you want to take the risk, you're not going to get much of an argument from me. Remember, again, you can call 855-935-TALK, 855-935-8255, or you can send your questions in at TalkingRealMoney.com, TalkingRealMoney.com, on the contact form, and uh, or you can just record it there, too. It's really easy. All right? Next question is 529 with a small value tilt. Hi, Don and Tom. Thanks for answering my Social Security survivor benefit question for my mom last week. Our pleasure. On the opposite end of the spectrum, I was looking at setting up a 529 for my very young daughter in the Utah plan. In my own retirement investments, I have tilts toward small and tilts toward value. I was considering doing the same through the Utah 529 by allocating a certain percentage of the investments to the DFA Small Value Fund and the rest to the age-based fund based on her age. Then I would adjust down the DFA Small Value Fund allocation as she grows up. This is very similar to the two funds for life idea that Paul Merriman and Chris Peterson came up with. My question would you consider, actually it's questions, would you consider an 18-year time frame long enough historically to see benefits from the small value tilt? I'll answer that one first. Historically, yes. Historically, both small and value have won out over decade-long periods. Anything shorter than a decade, there have been times when growth beats value and large beats small. But in a 10-plus time frame, it's almost across the board that value and small have beaten growth in large. So the odds are in your favor. The, the, the numbers are in your favor. 
If so, what percentage tilt would you start with? And at what age would you eliminate that tilt, if at all? Oh, I, I got to tell you, if, if you're aggressive, if you understand the volatility, eh, 20%, 25% even small value wouldn't scare me too much 18 years out. I would at about, as I mentioned to the, to, in the previous question, somewhere around 8 to 10 years out, I would start gradually reducing that because you don't want that 20 or 25% of the portfolio to drop by half or more just as you need the money, just as you go into that four-year period when you need the money. So you eventually I would eliminate the tilt, yes, because the money's going to be spent in a 529. That's what it's there for. It, it has to be spent. And therefore, it's going to be spent on an education. It's going to be drawn down, and you don't want to start playing games with the market, or you don't want to continue playing games with the market at that juncture. So, yes, I would do that. Uh, let's see. I think that's going to do it for today. I appreciate you very much. Thanks so much for listening and sending in your questions. Remember to go ahead and send them in at TalkingRealMoney.com or call them in to 855-935-TALK, 855-935-8255. It's really easy. And if you need more help than we can provide in a podcast or in our show, which are very limited, you have an opportunity at any time to get together with one of our advisors for a finite amount of time. We will not manage your money for you for free, but we will help everyone who asks for free without obligation and without a high-pressure sales pitch. All you have to do is either call 800-386-3004 and say you want to set up an appointment with an advisor or go online at Vestory.com and scroll down to the very bottom of the page. There's a calendar there. On that calendar, pick a date, pick a time. We'll get somebody to meet with you. And I promise you, you won't get a sales pitch. You will get real help that will get you on the right path, if nothing else, or help you avoid the wrong path. So please do it. And please tell your friends and your relatives and even people you don't like that much because, hey, it's just nice to help everybody get ahead in life. Thanks for listening. I'm Don McDonald. Talking real money. Realize that the information provided on Talking Real Money is for educational and hopefully enjoyable purposes only. Providing personalized financial planning or investing advice takes time, so please consult with a really good fee-only fiduciary investment, tax, or legal advisor. We know a good one. Investing must always involve risk. In other words, you can and probably will lose money at times. Also, as much as you want it, no one can accurately, consistently predict the future. So, past performance doesn't tell you a darn thing about what the future will bring. Unlike many other programs that say something similar, Talking Real Money is not trying to get you to buy or sell any financial products or securities. Instead, the program is provided as a public service by Vestry, a fee-only registered investment advisor. Thanks for listening and please visit TalkingRealMoney.com for more information and disclosures. Are we done now?